Wait, that's a thing? Never heard of it. Oh, you have no idea. This is Haven Space, a safe place for fantasies. Brought to you by sex coach and researcher Sarah Perry. Hi, folks, and welcome back to Haven Space. This is Sarah Perry, sex coach and researcher, and today we're going to be discussing a little bit more thoroughly the term polyamory and basically consensual non-monogamy, and we're going to use that as an umbrella term to talk about how people negotiate boundaries and expand their relationships beyond what maybe we have been traditionally thought is an established relationship. Um, by the end of this podcast, you should know a little bit more about polyamory, how to navigate around it should you meet someone who is poly, or should you want to open up your relationship if you already have an existing one, or should you decide that you don't identify as a monogamous person and you'd like to date many people in your life. Um, we will talk about where the term comes from, why people like it, different other little terms that have to do with it, etiquette rules, how to go about it, how to engage in it with consent, respect, and pleasure for yourself and for the partners that you may want to engage with. So what is it? Polyamory, the term itself means many loves. And it has to do with someone who identifies as falling in love or loving more than one person. This is in contrast to people who are monogamous, who are lovers of only one person. Now, statistically, people in monogamous relationships, as defined by them, tend to have higher STD and STI rates. And what that tells us really is that while people identify as being monogamous, their definitions of what monogamy are are very different from person to person. In fact, a lot of times people can consider themselves monogamous but cheat or do things outside of the relationship with other people that have clearly not be, been discussed, at least not in a way that would lead to using protection or expecting to get STD tested as often as they probably need to be getting tested to make sure that we can prevent the spread of these diseases. So this just goes to show that while people define themselves as monogamous, their behavior says otherwise. In fact, we have been sold this idea that there are species in nature that mate exclusively with one other partner. But a lot of scientists have been spending time doing studies on mostly birds like the sandhill crane, for example, which is considered a super monogamous animal. But in fact, when they do genetic testing on the offspring of these birds, they find that close to 40% of the offspring are not actually descendants from the parent that thinks um, they are raising them. So really, our perception of monogamy has more to do with the way people present a relationship, how they um, act in front of other people, how they carry themselves as a partnership more than it does their sexual habits and behaviors and their attraction and bonds with other people. 
So first off, let's define the idea that perhaps cheating, monogamy, these things are nuanced definitions, but that mostly explicitly they mean that somebody will not be sexual with someone else. And sexual being the entire scope of sexuality, romance, flirtation. So many people have many different definitions of what cheating is. Some of you out there may think that cheating is liking a picture on the internet of a person of the opposite sex. Um, Some of you may not realize that a lot of people are not exclusively heterosexual. So even though we tend to feel um, more threatened by people who are of the opposite sex, people are fluid and their attraction is fluid and we have to identify that there are people, all kinds of people of every gender and no gender that are potentials for our partner to leave us if that is um, kind of the relationship boundary. So a lot of times you could see people that are just people who are worried about being left and have extreme issues with jealousy and jealousy as opposed to envy, right? So jealousy has to do with the fear that someone is taking something that is yours and envy has to do with wanting something someone else has. So we have to make those distinctions when we have conversations about jealousy and compersion and polyamory. So as opposed to jealousy, but not completely juxtaposed, Compersion is a term that is used for feeling good about something that you have, like a partner, enjoying something outside of you. Whereas people can experience jealousy of a partner having a new friend, and a lot of time we even see it in friendships. When someone starts spending a lot of time with someone and having these amazing connections with those people, then sometimes we feel threatened by that. Compersion would be the opposite. We would feel the feeling of the ripple effect. Like, I'm so glad you're having an amazing time with this person. It brings me joy. And in fact, a lot of times, though not always, the realization that somebody else bringing joy to a person that you are connected to actually ripples out to you and can exponentially increase the level of joy and happiness and pleasure that you have in your life simply through bringing other people joy, which is this magnificent little kind of silver lining of polyamory. So polyamory itself um, can be used as an umbrella term for all consensual non-monogamy. But there are a lot of people who don't feel that this label fits them. A lot of people don't feel that they love many people. Some people prefer a term relationship anarchy, um, where they really just establish the relationship boundaries they choose and with whom they choose. I do think it's important when discussing with potential partners and with partners that are already established the way we want to carry our relationships to use terms like non-monogamy because we are so conditioned to assume that a relationship means monogamy that we don't want to cause people to make decisions that are non-consensual for them. Non-consensual in terms of when people don't have all of the information they can't possibly consent to what you're asking them to. So if you're not being clear with partners about how polyamory works for you or how having an open relationship would look for you, then you are not actually engaging in relationships that are consensual. And absolutely, you must stop 
and think about why it is that you're having feelings of having to lie or maintain secrets surrounding exactly what you want. Um, I don't know if you saw my YouTube video on why people cheat, but I like to say that cheating is the ultimate form of self-betrayal. Cheating is the way that we don't feel worthy of asking for the things we want. We feel that we won't get them, but more than that, we feel like we're not lovable because of the things that we want. And so we act in ways that we have to maintain a secret when there is an option that is a viable option to not hold things a secret. Some people listening to this may think, well, they would never like this. I have a partner, we're an established relationship, we're secure. But if I came up to them and said, hey, I met an amazing person, my soul feels like it should know them. And I want to experience what it's like to be a part of them also. Not necessarily sexual, though sometimes sexual, but sometimes we just meet incredible people. And I think that we owe it to ourselves to explore what those connections look like. I think most of the time, if you are secure in your relationship and you do communicate through it, people can find ways to push their trust into spaces that feel so vulnerable. And a lot of times you may end up with so much more than what you signed up for at the beginning. So we do live in a society where cheating occurs in all of these different ways, whether or not we define them as cheating, and then we hide them for fear of not being loved exactly as we are. And we hide them because somewhere inside of us, someone said that that was not okay to do. Some people may define cheating as having a friend at work that you call your work wife or work husband. Some people may define cheating as going out to lunches that you um, didn't, I guess, have a conversation with your spouse or partner about. Some people define cheating as having a secret phone number or a code where someone texts you something and then you know to respond if it's that person or exchanging pictures or messages. I've talked exclusively or extensively about um, kind of having dirty pen pals and how Reddit has entire societies for dirty pen pals and people who online just want someone to write dirty stuff too. I don't necessarily think that those things will lead to a different kind of infidelity, a physical infidelity, especially if partners are already in agreement that that's something that's acceptable to do. In fact, I think it could be really sexy to find another couple or another group of people across the world who is willing to exchange sexy stories with you and in fact share sexuality in a way that is so much more explicit and so much more realistic than what we're exposed to in terms of porn, what we're exposed to in terms of cam girls and sex work. So there are alternatives out there also that could be things that are not necessarily monogamy, that would be considered consensual non-monogamy in some terms, in some circles, that have the potential to make your life really exciting and fun in a way that still feels safe and a little less vulnerable. Um, 
Originally, the origin of polyamory comes from what is considered nomadic cultures. In nomadic cultures, people had many partners, but the partners were people already in the tribe. The community moved together. We used to move in tribes of 100 to 200 people. And we moved across countries that weren't countries yet, across lands. And we worked together and women had children that were then raised by the community because they were part of the community and parents and mothers were everybody. And that stopped um, pretty intensely with the beginning of agriculture. If you have never read the book uh, Sex at Dawn, I highly recommend you do. It explores kind of these ideas and how physiologically we can see um, how we're meant to be sleeping with more than one person. In fact, our species sort of depends on it and the fact that we're having weaker and weaker offspring that require um, more and more intervention to be birthed and to be kept alive at birth like ICU and I'm not putting anyone down I am an ICU baby I'm a preemie baby so thank goodness we have those things but the book speaks about how it's largely related to the fact that there is less competition in sperm and in mate choice. Therefore, the sperm quality actually goes down. I also discussed this um, on my video that talks about um, ejaculation withdrawal and how people, how men are deciding not to ejaculate as a form of kind of personal growth and sometimes in order to retain essential vitamins and minerals that it is believed that are expelled with ejaculate that for some reason get depleted, which as you've heard, I don't necessarily agree with and I think is based in very sex negative circles. But the idea still remains that we have physiological evidence that would suggest that that is not the way that our bodies are meant to be treated. Now, mind you, everything I say about nature and what is natural has to come with the caveat that nothing we do is natural. We wear clothing, we live in houses, we live a sedentary lifestyle, we don't rotate our crops, we eat the same foods year-round, we engage in the same types of activities year-round. No basketball, baseball, and football do not count as seasons, right? So, remember that this is not a pushback on we have to go back to what's natural because you actually don't have to do anything. All you have to do is be happy. So listen to what I'm saying, but take it with a grain of salt because we pick and choose what we maintained from nature and what fits us better for our comfort and our joy. Polyamory, I think, has this distinction. People seem to think that polyamorous people demand promiscuity or... Uh, conversely, demand that someone agree with promiscuity. In fact, some of the most conservative people I know are polyamorous. Um, There is a term that is used called polysaturation, and it is the idea that someone has so many partners or enough partners that they're completely satisfied. They prefer not to be open to other people because, in fact, they just can't make it work. Now, the number one reason that people consider themselves polysaturated is simply that they don't have time. So have you ever thought about a person who has a whole side family that they're lying about? Then you can consider 
how crazy it is to imagine that they would find the time to have potentially a job and one maybe two or more families complete families that then would they have to show up for and do things with and celebrate holidays with and it already seems exhausting now imagine being someone who's not lying about it seems like it would make it easier but still shocking to think that someone could have the skills and time management to even make it possible to do that so a lot of people consider polyamorous people to be extremely promiscuous but in fact most of the time they don't have time to be very promiscuous and secondly they don't have the need to be very promiscuous because they get to date the people that they want to date the people that we see as being very promiscuous um, especially situationally are people who are only in those moments allowed their transgressions so they go kind of all out they go crazy it's people who are kind of on the rebound from a messy divorce or celebrating a birthday or doing these activities that seem to be kind of one-off moments where as a person who is already identified, kind of self-identified as slutty, simply has the freedom of doing things whenever they want, therefore not the necessity to do it all of the time. I'd like to reference back to a hilarious meme that I saw once. It's a cartoon of a woman topless on top of a bar woohooing and one of the people at the bar going what's up with her and someone says she's a mom so the idea that we are much more wild when we only have these tiny glimpses in which to be wild that is not a thing that happens for polyamorous people they kind of can be more calm and they can take their time so i also want to explore the idea that you have to be okay with everything your partner does. A lot of times um, polyamorous people are presented in ways that make it seem like they have no jealousy and no sense of boundaries or possessiveness or vulnerability. But that is simply not the case. A lot of times polyamorous people are putting in a lot more self-work and a lot more work in their relationship to really identify what it is that's coming up when these emotions happen. Um, I distinctly remember a time that I was with a partner and they had gone out for um, drinks with the buddies and were said to come home at a certain hour and that hour came and went and they didn't come home and it seemed like I had been forgotten. And I remember a flash of information came to me like it was like becoming lucid for the first time and I realized that I didn't have a problem with them being out or enjoying themselves or being with their friends I had a problem with feeling unimportant and it completely changed my perspective on anger because the anger that I was feeling was a gatekeeping emotion that was trying to make sure that I was safe. Now, this kind of realization can happen to people at any moment. And it doesn't have to happen because you date other people. But for some reason, when you are making sure to stay in good standing with all of your partners, you take more time to pay attention to what's happening so that you can avoid unnecessary conflict. I also think 
that's a big kind of difference between polyamorous relationships and what I see represented in the media, at least, of heterosexual relationships. Almost every day you are confronted with some image of a husband hating his wife or a funny, you know, picture idea for your Christmas pictures that has the wife and daughters with um, their mouths taped and a husband holding a sign that says peace on earth because he finally was able to silence them. But this idea that they are always fighting, that monogamous couples are always at each other's throat is really pervasive and is so funny because we live in a society that loves weddings. So we love people getting married. We love love. We love people falling in love. We love them getting married. And as soon as they get married, we start to show them bickering and we start to show the funny side of them hating each other. And this, we almost get like fed into divorce and unhappy marriages. And of course, capitalism does very, very well on people feeling like crap about themselves. It does very well on people feeling like crap about their relationships. There's entire industries of self-help and and plastic surgery and makeup and gym memberships that all has to do with you making your spouse stay faithful and happy, all the while you're being fed all of this information about how much they upset you because of all the little things they do, like ridiculous, obnoxious things like a toilet seat or things that really, if we took time in our society to switch it to something that we made light of, would completely change the way we live our everyday lives. I think that a polyamorous person or someone who engages in consensual non-monogamy has already made the decision to assume that their spouse has good intentions. And once you've made that decision, any partnership you have is completely different. Once you realize the person that has committed to loving you is still committed to loving you, even when they're trying their best and when their best is not something that worked for you, it changes the conversation from this doesn't work, get out, or this doesn't work and I'm stuck here and you make me miserable to, hey, let me just communicate this so it doesn't happen again. Or let's try to figure this out or why this happened. I was in a women's studies class where we were studying different relationship dynamics and um, someone did a skit on a polyamorous group and someone was dating them and they said, well, when we're at a bar, if I run into someone and I want to go approach them, then you have to be okay with that. And if I want to leave with someone else at a party, you have to be okay with that. And I found the idea so ridiculous that it it led to some interesting conversations and really interventions later. Um, People who date other people still have ideas of respect and of, um, holding time, keeping appointments, and respecting each other's company um, just as much, if not more so, than couples who are monogamous. The idea that you would go on a date with someone and then leave with somebody else is actually not very common in polyamorous relationships. In fact, polyamorous people 
would tend to be a little bit more concise about the time they're spending with that partner because they have other partners that they're spending undivided time with in other moments. So typically a way that you would approach a stranger would be um, if you saw them out at a bar and you thought that they were attractive while you were with a different partner, that it would be maybe like you would give them your number if your partner was okay with that, didn't feel disrespected. Or leave it with the bartender and say, hey, could you just let that person know they seem like an interesting person and I'd like to hear from them if they felt the same about me. Or something as simple as that. And honestly, it would never really go past that. Um, when we talk about polyamorous relationships where things go past that, we're really talking about... Um, more along the lines of cuckoldry or um, kind of lifestyle, like swinger type scenarios, because people in those situations are sexualizing people around them in ways that polyamorous people don't feel the necessity to do. So I think it's important that we have discussions that are based around the idea of mutual respect and respect for all of the people that you spend time with. Lastly, I want to touch on the radical idea that polyamorous people can be single. They can actually be dating nobody. Polyamorous people can be asexual. They can be fucking nobody. And all of those things are valid and acceptable. Um, People who realize that what they want, what works from their life is not the idea of a heteronormative life could identify as polyamorous simply because this is um, a space where they feel open to meeting people when they meet them and where they meet them in, in times of where they are in their life space. If they're wanting to live with someone or live alone or travel and find a little bit more flexibility. What polyamory isn't is an excuse for not having deep relationships. In fact, A lot of people who are polyamorous have intense, dramatic, profound relationships, even if they're short-lived, but perhaps not short-lived. I would say traditionally, some polyamorous people could have partners for decades and have many partners for decades. Again, the ways in which polyamorous people relate to each other are very diverse. And in the community, sometimes we say, that it's a make your own adventure, choose your own adventure. You can decide to have one partner who is your anchor partner, your nesting partner that you live with, create a family with. You can decide to um, have no partner that lives with you and live alone and essentially just date people certain days. I've actually heard of people who split their week up um, by days and certain days they see certain people, um, a term sometimes called solo poly, There are also polyamorous people who um, date in groups, in pods, and you could call those quads if there's four people and sometimes all four people date each other. Um, Sometimes a triad where three people date each other, but not always there is, there are different terms for every kind of relationship arrangement pretty much, but for example, a V arrangement would be one person is dating two people. Those two people do not date each other. So as opposed to a triad that you can picture like a triangle, everybody dates each other. This was would be shaped like a V where one person's in the middle and the two are apart and do not actually connect. Um, 
And those relationships can all be valid. You don't necessarily have to have those two people that are not dating each other get along. In fact, a lot of times they don't get along. There are other terms like the idea of kitchen table poly where everyone is actually a group of friends and the polycule or the community of people that date each other is actually a close-knit friend circle where some may date each other and some may not but still be intimately, lovingly connected. In all of these cases, communication on fluid bonding, um, on different kind of sexual expectations is an extremely important part of the relationship because you have to know how to stay safe and how to keep your partner safe and how to stay within the boundaries of what's consensual for everybody. You are no longer making decisions for you and one other person. Your consent negotiations ripple much wider than that circle. So where can you find it? Um, There are a lot of polyamorous communities in Houston. There are several Facebook groups Um, that you can join that is like polyamory of Houston and then there's like different location ones and every city has groups and a lot of times you can find on Reddit for example you can find on some lifestyle communities will also cater to polyamorous people it tends to be though that polyamorous people aren't super involved in lifestyle parties because they're a little bit more in touch with connection and emotion than they are with the sexual escapades that would come along with something like swinging or orgies or sex parties so ironically lifestyle people tend to believe that polyamorous people are extremely radical and really out there And as opposed to what we would think that people who are swingers and have sex parties and orgies tend to be a little bit more out there. Other websites where you could find this aside from Facebook could maybe be Reddit, different communities on there. FetLife definitely will have some communities. In fact, I would say that the vast majority of people in kink communities tend to engage in some form or another of of consensual non-monogamy even if that is only in terms of uh, practice. For example, people who may do uh, rituals of candle wax pouring or things like that could possibly practice with other partners. Even if it is very asexual, it could still be an extremely sensual experience that they are then permitted to share with other people. How to be prepared. Well, if you are interested in or you identify as a polyamorous person, make sure you talk to your partner or partners about these conversations. Talk to them about what you're going through, what you're feeling, establish boundaries with them, and have them establish boundaries with each other. If that boundary is that you would prefer that they not meet, or you would prefer that they meet and become best friends forever, or you would prefer that they not have a relationship outside of you at all, then those things are much easier to negotiate before rather than after. Another thing is to always keep in mind, even when you're holding people in positive regard, that most of the times we don't realize boundaries are there until they have been crossed. So always assume that people had good intentions. And if something occurs that feels really, really painful, recognize that a lot of times we didn't realize, nobody realized that it was going to be this painful until you came across it. And it really makes renegotiating those boundaries much easier and almost a good practice for your life. 
So to recap, we talked a little bit about polyamory, what it is, what it isn't, how it's represented, how it came to be kind of naturally through the process of nomadic and then establishing into um, established communities. We talked a little bit about the different ways in which it can be displayed and how it can change from person to person, and it's really a choose-your-own-adventure, but it's all based on holding people in positive regard and having complete honesty with yourself and your ability to be loved exactly as you are. So if you're interested in finding out more about polyamory, drop me a line or write a comment and let me know. You can also check out my YouTube channel and see if you can ask questions there where I can probably answer more quickly. Thank you for listening, and I'll catch you next week. This has been another podcast of Haven Space. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Haven Space by Sarah and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Haven Space by Sarah. If you enjoyed this talk, consider becoming a patron and helping fund more talks like this in the future.